Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Lisa. And this is Two Sober Chicks. Thanks for joining us on our journey of the 12 steps. And in particular, at this time, we've been going through all 12 steps, one podcast per step. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're on to step five. So welcome to step five. Welcome to step five, the second step in the action steps. The action steps being steps four to nine. So it reads, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And the simplified translation talked about all those aspects with someone I trust. And spiritual principle is integrity. So we've been going through the original AA steps wording and then added just a simplified version of it in shorter and more modern language, not because we particularly like those steps better. It's just an alternate way of listening to them that I find helpful when I do service work in treatment centers. Right. Because some people are blocked off by the old language. Mm-hmm. Or, or, but um, really, we're not changing anything. Just to be clear, these are the 12 steps. Yep. Uh, so, And then we discuss the things that we've learned and what we've picked up uh, throughout our years in recovery about these steps and what has helped us, what has been passed on to us from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book, also from Alcoholics Anonymous, and from our individual uh, years of sponsoring others and being sponsored by sponsors, people who got sober before us mm-hmm. and helped to carry the message. And mm-hmm. that's what we hope to do in each and every one of our podcasts, including the 12 on the 12 Steps. Mm-hmm. So that being said, we are on to step five. So there's so much. I I thought that this was um, one of the most, uh, the longest, the many pages dedicated to it, had the most pages dedicated to it. 12 and 12. But it's not. But it seemed like it because there's so much in it. Mm -hmm. And it's so rich. So... And you wouldn't think so by first glance. Like step five is just telling someone you're step four. Right. So why would it be so long? (laughs) There's a lot of talk about that. Why would it be so long? Well, I think you mentioned this in a, in step... Where did you mention this? I don't remember. Maybe it was in step four, where you talked about you told a person of faith or a person in clergy and why that is not helpful. Although at first glance, it might be like, awesome, I can tell this anonymous person, a rabbi, a, yeah. what do they call the um, priests in Islam? I can't remember, but anyways, like... Uh, a rabbi, a priest, uh, I had the name too, and now it's gone. I can't remember. Whoever, a therapist, a lawyer, a doctor. Imam. That's it. Nice job. Thank you. The reason why it doesn't make sense to tell that person is because, A, they won't know what they're looking for. A sponsor, a person in recovery, knows what they're looking for, whether right. they're reading a fourth that a sponsee has done, or they're listening. And that is the whole point, is finding the patterns and the things that we would like to make different in our lives in order to be a recovered person. And if you just give this step to someone, they're not gonna know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But even more so, if you're working with a sponsor, would it make sense to like, check in with this person, go to meetings, have them mentor you, not tell them the crucial part of how you go through the rest of the steps and then come back. Yeah. So it's not a good idea. Yeah. Um, and for me, I found, yeah, like you said, they didn't know what to do with it. And, uh, and I thought, oh, this would be a great person because they'll be able to keep my secrets. That was my sole purpose. Of telling someone other than your sponsor? Yeah. 
of going to a person of the cloth because I thought this is what they do. They're good at keeping secrets. I've seen it in movies. You know, tell a priest something, he's not allowed to tell anybody. Mm. So Sneaky, sneaky. I know. But really, I left there and I didn't feel any of the greatness that you're supposed to feel afterwards. You know, I, I for me, I believe this is when I started to have my spiritual awakening. Mm. Was it at step five? Because... I felt unburdened and I felt more free. And I felt instead of aloneness and separateness, I started to feel at one with my fellows. I started to feel a closer, closer connection to something greater than myself. In the act of speaking your forth to yes, your sponsor. to my sponsor. Okay. Yeah, sharing. So if you that. want to go to confession, go to confession. But this isn't confession. This is hard work. <laughs> it is. This is following through. The reason that step five, the spiritual principle is integrity is because integrity means integration. And often I like to look at the opposite of what a word means mm-hmm. to really drive home the point. The point. And then with step five, the spiritual principle being integrity, the option, the opposite is corruption or incompleteness. Mm. So by not doing a step five, you're out of integrity, meaning you're not completing the work that's already been done. And this is almost halfway through the steps. Right. Like it is big and it can be daunting, but you're almost halfway there. Yeah. And, and you know, the promises in the big book, they talk about, they talk about, you'll be amazed before you're halfway through. Mm -hmm. And for me, five is almost halfway through. So Mm -hmm. we're starting to get those feelings. Some of those promises are going to start to come true. They really say they start to come true upon completion of step nine, which is the making amends process. Yeah. But for me, the beginning started in, in step five is that unburdening. Um, and in the 12 and 12 on page 58 in step five, one of the things that I've highlighted here is, um, To those who have made progress in AA, it amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. So the step four outlines, you know, where we had gone wrong, taking stock of that inventory Mm -hmm. and starting to identify maybe what we want to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And then step five is talking to another person. And the reason it's important to talk to another person, I had highlighted over here, Um, Because we were still bottled by fear, self-pity, and hurt feelings, it was probable we couldn't appraise ourselves fairly at all. I'm either going to go easy on myself, or I'm going to go to the extreme and be too hard on myself. Yeah. And having, bringing someone else into that dark interior of what that is Mm. can really help to see it from different angles and perspectives. But often we're already getting those ahas as we're going through our fourth inventory and going, oh my gosh. Starting to see the patterns. Yeah. And the connections. And it always surprised me. Like when I'd take something to my sponsor and I would think, oh, he's going to say this. And cause you know, this is what I'm thinking. He's going to say this. And then he'd shine the light on something completely that would blow me away that I'd never even thought of before. (laughs) And I was so grateful for that Yeah, because if I'd done it on my own, I wouldn't have come to that thought. Um, hence it was most evident that a solitary self-appraisal and the admission of our defects based upon that alone wouldn't be nearly enough. We'd have to have, here it is again, this is a we program, outside help if we were surely to know and admit the truth about ourselves, the help of God and another human being. Hmm. And then it goes on to say only by discussing ourselves and holding back nothing only by being willing to take advice and accept direction 
could we set foot on the road to straight thinking, solid honesty, and genuine humility. That's beautiful. Yeah. I can't do it on my own. I need, I need a guide. I need, my sponsor is my guide. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean they're infallible. It just means that they too have walked this path and they have also learned how to highlight their, their errors and their mistakes and their character defects with the help of another. So they're, they're practiced at it, Mm -hmm. but they too have a sponsor. So they too are checking their thoughts and their feelings. And I can remember also my sponsor saying, you know what, let me get back to you on that. I want to talk with my spiritual advisor, like you do in seminary. Yeah. You have a spiritual advisor. I do. Sponsors are kind of like that. They're guides uh, They're to progress. Guides well, to progress. and that brings us also to the other side of step five, which is the sponsor receiving mm-hmm. the step five. That's a sacred process because someone is sitting across from you telling you the things that they think are the worst things they've ever done, said, and felt. And so it's a space that you enter into with another person that's very vulnerable. This is also another reason when it comes to sponsorship, you pick a person you could not be attracted to. For some people like me, it's easy. I would pick a woman sponsor because I don't have to fear that. For people that are attracted to both genders, pick someone you could not be attracted to. Because for me as an addict, when I get into that space of rawness and vulnerability, that can lead to a tether Mm. which can lead to an attraction because they understand me and they're oh, such yeah. a good listener. And aren't we looking for that our whole lives? <laughs> if someone would just understand me. If you have father issues or mother issues Ugh. and suddenly someone is stepping into that and giving you compassion and understanding and support and guidance mm-hmm. as an emotionally intense person with that kind of um, hole in my heart at that point or even really any point because of the intense nature of my emotions, I have to be careful who I get vulnerable with Yeah, and check my motives. Describing it because in the big book, right? Or um, actually, I don't even know if it's in the big book, is it? In AA, it's talked about when you're choosing a sponsor, men with men, women with women. And often we get the question, why is that? Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what Julie's describing. So the reason it was set up that way is you got to remember the program was put together in the 1930s and they were really trying to stop these um, unhealthy relationships mm-hmm. from starting, you know, because that's not what it was about. It wasn't about helping you connect with another alcoholic so you could begin a relationship. <laughs> so she talks about it perfectly. I love that. That's why they also have... Um treatment centers where it's men only or women, women only, only because it's the the nature of the emotional environment in rehab is it Ugh. is incredibly common that people <laughs> find the loves of their lives in rehab yeah. because finally someone understands, understands them me. and it's like being it's just a giant in a fest. shipwreck <laughs> together right it's like i don't know what they used to call it there's something that happens when people go through a crisis together that bonds them mm-hmm. and treatment can be like a shipwreck of its own kind. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think it's the worst idea ever to go to a, <laughs> a treatment center where both men and women are congregating because mm-hmm. you're so sick <laughs> when you go in there. And it's easy to fall in love with someone because then you get to ignore all the other shit that's going on with you. Right. And then you don't do any work. You don't so, work on yourself. How many people have we known who go to treatment center after treatment center after treatment center? And nine times out of 10, they've 
they've fallen prey to these things. They've found their true love in rehab, and then they get out, and they both end up relapsing, and it doesn't work out. Then they go back to rehab again. Yeah. And, you know, well, next time they just have sex when they're in rehab. Well, guess what? You still didn't do any of the work. So you're back at rehab for your third time. What are you going to do differently this time? Yeah. That could be a whole other topic. Yeah, don't. Yes. We'll get it. We're going to get into that in the next topic, so I have a lot to say about that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So back to step five. Um, do, 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 do. Anyway, um, let's see. The last thing I wanted to finish with, I had highlighted this. Uh, as the pain subsides, a healing tranquility takes it, its place. <laughs> oh, I feel like we should have like sounds of nature in the background <laughs> to that one. Um, and the last paragraph of step five in the 12 and 12 says, this feeling of being at one with God and man, this emerging from isolation through the open and honest sharing of our terrible burden of guilt brings us to a resting place where we may prepare ourselves for the following steps toward a full and meaningful sobriety. It helps us learn how to connect with another human being. Mm-hmm. Um, my sponsor has often said that his, his first relationship with a sponsor was how he learned how to trust hmm. another human being, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember when we sat down to hear my fifth and I had my little papers already and I was all nervous to share with him stuff because I was like, oh God, he's going to think I'm a horrible human being. And then he says, okay, so just put those papers aside. Tell me the thing that's not on your list. I was like, wow. Mm. Like, how did he know that? He knew that because he thought that way. He yeah. felt that way. He did that. He omitted something from his fourth that he was afraid was too big, too deep, too dark a secret that he couldn't tell someone. But another alcoholic understood the heart of us. They understood that way of thinking, that fear. And he went right, right for it. Yeah. And then I cried and then I told him and he's like, see, that's not so bad. You're not a piece of shit. (laughs) We've all made mistakes. I remember in my step five, intently looking into the eyes of my sponsor and waiting for the, you did what? Or like just the judgment and shock and horror. And most of them, she laughed and she's like, bitch, that's nothing. (laughs) Next. Going, oh, okay. Yeah. And then it starts to get a little easier. Like, well, maybe I can top her with this. (laughs) Oh, no, she's still still okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Skeletons in your closet are just dead bones. You can open that door and sweep them out anytime. Um, Is this the part where in the big book... Oh, no, I think it's earlier on where it talks about the actor. Was this just before this when we're talking? At the about- actor on the stage? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's before that. Okay, I love that part. That helps me a lot, too. Anyway, so is that it? Step, Step five? five? Yeah, simple enough. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions or it, it brought up anything for you and you thought that we maybe missed something and you want to talk about it or you want us to talk about it, please send us an email at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com that's two soberchicks at gmail.com and either julie or myself or sometimes both of us will respond and you'll get a a little bit of each of us so high five for step five yeah amen (laughs) bring it thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you in step six next on two sober chicks